0: Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al?
0: Oh, I'm very excited. Why? Well, sort of. Well, kind of excited. Well, <laughs> so Procrasti Pop and I had our work Christmas party this morning. Just you two? <laughs> well, the two of us. And uh, we <laughs> roped in a couple of friends. Who? So we are just a couple of friends of ours from, from our local cafe. And we had um, chocolate crackles. Well, Procrasty Pup did not have chocolate crackles. No. And we had Chris Kringle and he was given a stick with a big red bow. Oh, it, how
1: cute. Which I'll
0: post a photo of in the show notes because it's quite hilarious. So we had, um, yeah, anyway, that's just, this is the thing with being a freelance writer. You know, you just have to take what you can get when it comes to office Christmas party action. <laughs> you yeah. a yeah. dog, two wow, friends so sitting on a rock. Yeah, it was awesome. And we
1: had Chris Kringle. Does yeah. pup, Does Procrasty Pup get a Santa sack? Not a Santa sack,
0: he gets a gift. Oh, okay. He gets one random present wrapped under the tree, although there's a lot of debate as to what this is going to be, so there may be several for him this year.
1: Oh, yeah, I think several.
0: The boys are, you know, lobbying for their own personal gift to the dog, which, of course, I've got to buy. Like, it's not (laughs) like they're stumping up their pocket money for it.
1: Well, let me tell you, $2 shop.
0: I know. Well, no, no, no. $2 shop is no good for us because, mm. you know, you buy those toys mm. at the $2 shop for him and he, they're, they're destroyed in 10 seconds flat. Oh, okay. Oh, absolutely, completely and utterly annihilated. He is like Destructo Dog when oh. it comes to, I have to buy the world's super expensive. So last time I got him a toy, mm. I got him the brand that they use for the lions at the London Zoo. Oh, okay, this is where I this is where I'm at, right? Oh my goodness. So this is what they give the lions at the London Zoo to play with because, you know, they're they're, they're tough. And um <laughs> it lasted, I reckon, 3 days. It was gone. no, Toast. All the stuffing pulled out completely and utterly annihilated. Wow. I know. I'm telling you, those Border Collie jaws, they're pretty intense. Yeah. Anyway, so this is not all about so you want to be a Border Collie owner. This is actually so you want to be a writer. (laughs) Are we on the right podcast,
1: Valerie? I think we are. And how are you? Oh, well, I am well. I am actually this afternoon or this evening going to get some of the Santa Sack uh, contents for my furry babies.
0: Oh, there you go. We yes. are on So You Want to Be a Dog. Yes, we are.
1: <laughs> but instead, let's move on to the world of writing and publishing and blogging this week. So, interesting news from Margaret Atwood. Now, so many people love Margaret Atwood and um, she is writing a graphic novel trilogy. Which I thought Ooh. was uh, most interesting and quite a departure. Now, graphic novels. Now, for people who are not quite sure what graphic novels are, basically, graphic novels are novels, but they're written like a, you know, like comics, comic. like in a comic strip format. So, but if you really want to get technical and make a distinction, they're not technically called comics, even though they look like comics, because comics are. You know serialized like they're 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 like magazine they cut they're periodical every month or, so you know you used to buy judge dread every month or you used to buy what you know the phantom mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. month so graphic novels are self-contained they're not in a series generally unless they happen to be in a trilogy
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: but yes in case you weren't clear on what graphic novels novel yes were, no there you go. <laughs> very good
0: and lengthy description thank you valerie <laughs> lovely um i do love a bit of margaret atwood and i have to say that the Graphic novel is well it's a, definitely a rising trend, mm. and I, I would just like to point out my so my oldest son, who is now um nearly twelve, was recently given a graphic novel version of the Steve Jobs biography really? which sounds like a crazy thing <laughs> for anyone, but it is fantastic, and he loved it he absolutely consumed it, and that. he said to me afterwards he goes. That was really interesting, Mum. Because any bits that might have been boring were interesting because there were because there were pictures. Oh. So there you go, the eleven-year-old version of the uh, of the Steve Jobs one. But he wrote a review of it for Children's Books Daily, I think it was. So oh. I will um, I might put a link in the show notes. But if you're looking for something for a child, yeah. um, you know, of a certain age, that is a great one to have a look at.
1: Um, Anyway, I totally
0: hijacked your story there. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, no, that sounds awesome. And in fact, the the adult version, the non-graphic novel version of the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson, there are no boring bits in it. This guy is a brilliant nonfiction writer, and in fact, on the weekend, I just bought another one of his books uh, called *The Innovators* because I just love the way he tells stories—nonfiction stories. Non-fiction stories. Oh, right, brilliant. that was the
0: one you. Okay, that's great. Mm. All right, I might have a look at that. But okay, so he actually reviewed it for the Creative Kids Tales website. He's got several reviewing jobs, my Mister Eleven. Mm. Um, so I'll put the link in the show notes for that, and it's a book called *Steve Jobs: Insanely Great* by Jesse Hartland. Um, very, very good for kids.
1: Wow, fantastic. There you go. Okay. all over. Okay, let's move on to another link we've got this week, and it's uh, from the blog of Robin Story, who is an author, and the link is called Writer's Rituals and Why They Work. Now, I think that we've spoken about this from time to time, but I thought I'd bring it up because, you know – 2016, new year, new you, we all kind of decide that we're going to start the day with meditation or start the day with a workout or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe we should think about – Starting the day, well, starting our writing day with a particular ritual. So mm-hmm. this talk, this link, talks about why ritual work and why they're important. Um, you know what you can get, what's what benefits you can get from from rituals. Do you find your rituals helpful to you?
0: Well. My ritual basically consists of sitting at my computer and and writing, but it is that sitting at the computer aspect because, as we've discussed, I am no good at cafes. Mm. I do not like the poet Frederick Schiller, keep rotten apples in my desk drawer (laughs) because I can't write without their smell, which I think is really, really interesting. And I do not work in a sealed room with blackout blinds as (laughs) crime writer Michael Connolly does. But, you know, I I think it's one of those things where I think your ritual, routine, habit, whatever you want to call it, develops as you go along. And I think that some people become a little bit kind of superstitious about Mm. them. If you wrote an amazing book while sitting in a sealed room with blackout blinds, you would probably want to continue to do that for the rest of your life mm. in the hopes of recreating the magic. But, yeah, I look, I think that if you have something that puts you in the zone, yes. then that's, that's you know, and, and it may be as little as having iced tea by your side at all yes. times um, or it might be the time that you write uh, Ernest Hemingway, you know, with the standing desk yes. trendsetter. Um, Back in the 1950s, you know, so everyone's got different things that they think work for them. I, you know, I think that you just need to find what that thing might be. Or Um, how's Victor Hugo, who wrote in the nude?
1: I know, like weird, right?
0: Ensuring (laughs) that you can't leave the house, (laughs) (laughs) instructing his valet. I'd like a valet to hide his clothes. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'll be adopting that ritual.
0: I asked Truman (laughs) Capote, who couldn't write unless he was lying down. (laughs) I like
1: that. Oh, with martinis.
0: With <laughs> martinis. Oh, that's hilarious. It's a little bit romantic. Um, but, yeah, what about you? Do you have a writing ritual?
1: Um, well, a little bit like you in that my ritual starts when I sit down at the computer but I do f- – one thing that I want to get into the habit of, so it's more a writing habit than mm. a writing ritual and I'm quite bad at it so I want to improve my habit of on this, is to take a break more frequently as in mm. just to – sometimes you get stuck stuck on a particular problem or issue or thing that you're trying to flesh out or write, and I will just sit there and I will push through and I will just make myself keep my bum in that chair and and just keep on going until I wade through the wet cement. But I just need to remind myself, go for a walk, go down the road, go do something mindless, you know, and and just let that problem brew and, or go have a shower or something, you know, and and, and come back and it's probably going to be resolved. So I just yes. need to remind – I get so stuck in the oh, I'm going to make this work that I kind of forget there might be a quicker way to make it work. So
0: Well, and showers are very good. That, there's something about water, yes. you know, hitting you on the head that seems to <laughs> dislodge <laughs> ideas. Yes. I love it. I, I think one of the great – the great joys of the freelance writer's life is the middle of the day hot shower particularly in winter oh, i just yeah. think it's an absolute it's such a luxury
1: nice
0: that nice. could just be because i'm a mum. anyway <laughs> what else have you got for me valerie let's move on from showers yes
1: let's move on to a post from jody headland's blog i like this it's a five-point checklist to help writers get to know their characters thoroughly. Because you know how some writers, they just know a little bit about the character and then they actually let the character evolve and develop as they write. But other characters really get to know their characters, um, other authors, sorry, get really get to know their characters uh, intimately before they write too much. Like they know their backstory, they know what they'd eat for breakfast, they'd know all these sorts of things. So I thought that this... Um, uh, post was interesting because she gives some tips on how to get to know your characters thoroughly, like just mm. dis- like in terms of their appearance, right down to their body type and their unique scent and their eye color and any physical imperfection. Really getting down to that level of granular detail, but also their interests, like their favorite foods and items that are special to them. How many years they went to school? What kind of school did they go to? What were they like at school? So it's quite an interesting uh, little checklist. It's not little, it's quite a long checklist. Mm, It is. But one of the things that I think that is really useful in getting to know a character, getting to know your own character, that I suggest people do is not only doing a checklist like this, uh, but to put your character in certain curly situations because it's often when you're in a curly situation or an awkward switch awkward situation that you and, and you see how people react in that situation that real your, your character is exposed if you know what I mean mm. so I think sometimes you know Putting your characters into curly situations, just imagining, just, you know, make it up, or or write a scene, even if that scene never ends up in your novel. Writing out that scene can help you understand the nuances of your character and your character's motivations. Mm. When you were getting to know your characters, (laughs) I knew this was coming. (laughs) <laughs> let you, me just
0: brace myself for the question.
1: But I think it's a valid question. I it think is, that Oh yes. were you the kind that let the character evolve as you wrote it or did you have a whole dossier on the character?
0: So Valerie. Yes. Let's look at this knowing <laughs> me as you do and as our <laughs> listeners do. What would your guess on that question be? <laughs> just out of interest. You what let, would you, you guess? You discovered your character as you wrote mm. them. Yes, my characters. Uh, like no, okay. Let's let. Okay, let. I'll, I'll be realistic. Yes, mm-hmm. I um. I had a good idea of the main personality traits of my characters, and that was not just my main character, but also you know supporting cast members. And each supporting cast member, the ones I found probably the most difficult to do, were the crew members on the Libertas who I didn't. Who were not who, who whose roles developed as the as the um as the trilogy went on. Mm. So they were probably the most difficult for me from that perspective. But all of the others were very clear um, people to me right from the start in the sense of their main personality, what they looked like, and their main personality traits. And then the rest of them developed as we went along, and things about them that I you know learned along the way that I then had to go back and put into you know sort of in the editing process helped to develop those things a bit more as I came through. Mm. But, yeah, very much I learned about them as the story unfolded and as they reacted to things within the story and as things um, happened like that. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, it's not a case of you write an opening sentence and hope people walk on, although mm-hmm. they do, if you trust the story, they do. Um, it's more of an idea of how ha- the way I work, I guess, of having um, – this vague notion like almost like you know people that they're like neighbors that you wave at as you Mm. walk past them in the street so you've Mm. got that vague idea of what they look like and you know a little bit about them but not much, and then inviting them in for a cup of tea and then having them over for a barbecue and then sort of like spending the weekend with them and then before you know it, you're on a four-week cruise of the world. Like it's that, <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that kind of relationship. Um, so you go from being sort of affectionate strangers to being, you know, pretty much married. Mm. Um, so that's probably how my relationship with characters develops. But I, I do know friends who, who have dossiers pictures, yeah. storyboards, yeah. you know, image boards, all sorts of things and that's what works for them. And I, I think it's, again, it comes back to different writers work in different ways and there's no um, no right way or wrong way to go about it mm. as long as what you end up with is a, a finely drawn um, three-dimensional person mm, mm. as opposed to a cardboard cutout that you move around in the story. Mm.
1: So do whatever works for you, really. I don't know. Yeah, try and them sometimes, both
0: ways. Sometimes you don't actually know what – I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Hello, Neil, waving at you. I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and we were talking about – Um, about, you know, we were discussing... I mean, I remember we had the conversation last week about what was my favourite piece of writing advice, Finish the Damn Book. And the Mm -hmm. reason that Finish the Damn Book is so important is that I don't think you really understand how you write a novel until you write at least one. And sometimes you need to write three to work it out. So you might try the 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 pantsing version of the writing the first line and hoping people walk on. Yes. And then you might try the fully dimensional, you know, like doing your dossiers and knowing what they had for breakfast and how they tied their shoelaces and all of those sorts of things. And – and one or the other of those might work beautifully for you or possibly more likely at some combination of those two things. And you won't know that unless you've actually completed a manuscript. Yeah. Um, because you need to develop that sort of skill and that sense of structure and all those things as you go through.
1: Mm, absolutely. Hmm. Well, while we're speaking about characters, I also came across a link from Standout Books and it's called The Definitive Guide to Naming Your Characters. And I think that naming characters is actually really important, especially your, your main characters, maybe not so much the, the peripheral characters, but it is so important because people have such strong reactions to certain names and certain names, whether we like it or not bring up have certain connotations mm. and so it's so important to be able to name your character in a way that is going to resonate with people and going to get the right reaction from people and it's interesting when you look at Hollywood movies and in fact a lot of you know blockbuster novels as well action novels I mean uh the name the main character is so often called Jack Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and it's 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 almost like oh of course if they're going to be called Jack and, I, and there's so many kids now that I know who are called Jack probably because of the trend in that in that um, but uh, it, it's you've, what am I trying to
0: say? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going along for the ride though it's <laughs> highly entertaining.
1: I think that's why I like nonfiction as well because you have no choice, you know. <laughs>
0: you just got to go with what you're given. <laughs>
1: the name is the name. <laughs> I, name. I mean, whether we like it or not, names make a huge difference. And um, uh, at our recent meet-up, um, Candace Fox, who is one of our presenters here at the Australian Writers' Centre and who um, – is uh, a best-selling novelist of crime and thriller books and she appeared yesterday on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald because of her collaboration with um, James Patterson. She changed her name you know her name wasn't Candace Fox it was something else no. and she changed it by Deadpool but you know Candace Fox is a great it's a great name it's a memorable name and interestingly i was listening to something the other day with Jamie Fox you know the actor uh, Jamie Fox and his name is something like Eric Bishop <laughs> But oh. he changed his name to Jamie Fox because when he used to do stand up and you used to go to open mic nights, and there would be hundreds of people, you know, wanting to get picked to get to, to be the final ten uh, on on these open mic nights, and there were say a hundred guys and five girls, and the mm-hmm. girls would often get a Guernsey simply because they wanted a good mix in, in the lineup. So he mm-hmm. chose names that were unisex sounding. And that's how Jamie Foxx came about and that's how he'd get a gig. you would get picked because, you know, Eric Bishop doesn't sound particularly exciting.
0: No, no.
1: (laughs) But I do pity the poor
0: girl who
1: went to get, you know how, do do you know how Nutella is doing those personalised jars where they are putting Nutella but in sort of where the Nutella logo would be on the Nutella jar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a great idea and it's, uh, I, I love it and I love Nutella. But uh, there's a mother in Sydney who um, her daughter's name is Isis. Ah. I-S-I-S, you yeah, know, yeah. Your name, like, which is a legitimate name. Like, mm. Remember? I mean, she's a goddess of something, mm. Isis. Um, but the, the, in, you, where you buy the Nutella from, they wouldn't let her get the jar.
0: Because of the inference. Mm. Well, I can see it. As, it is a problem as a, as a branding exercise for a, a jar of Nutella. Like mm. if it was in a book or something, like you can, you can buy lots of personalised, you know, novels and things like that. So I do actually, I can see it from Nutella's perspective. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but I also see it from the mother's perspective. I mean, as she says, like... No one had ever heard of Isis when she named her daughter five years ago. Yes.
1: Um,
0: So it is a problematic thing from that perspective. And you don't – how would you know? Like you'd never – that's not something you could ever foresee, is it? No. Poor
1: little girl.
0: I know it's kind of sad, but it's one of those things. I guess. I mean, I I think names are fascinating. I've always loved them. I love the annual roundup of the oh, most yes. popular names. I love it. I wait for it every year with great <laughs> excitement. I used to really enjoy doing. I used to regularly do stories for different uh, websites and publications about you know the they, about baby name trends and things like that. Mm. And I spoke regularly to Mark McCrindle, who is oh, a yes. a social researcher, and we used to have fantastic conversations. Our, his, his personal favourite was a few years ago. He's like, I, I rang for the annual interview and he's like, hey, we finally got a Tinkerbell. I was like, <laughs> yes, we got a Tinkerbell. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do feel sometimes that people – should possibly put a little bit more thought into what they name their children but oh, i do i feel sorry for isis i think she's yeah. she's been given a a bad steer but mm. i i love naming characters i love it it's mm. so much fun you get to use up all those names that you um didn't have 175 children to you know to use up <laughs> for example if you were, in, you know, into names like I am. I get And I love the fact I choose names based on, you know, meaning and yes. how they sound. Sometimes I, I do look at some of them and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have chosen two A's. Like I do have oh, that issue yeah. um, with some. But, yeah, generally speaking, I'm pretty happy with them.
1: But now that you've written a few books and, that you've, and you're writing several others, do mm. you – kind of are you at the stage where you think, oh, damn it, I already used that name?
0: Because it's like your
1: favourite name or something?
0: No, because they're different characters and there's always another alternative, you know, like there's always going to be something that you Mm. can use. Um, And they are different characters and different names are for different characters. It's like kids, you know, like you Have all these names in your head, Mm. and then the kid comes out, and you go, "Oh, you're (laughs) definitely not a, you you are (laughs) definitely not a George. (laughs) You're going to need to be something else." You know, (laughs) Um, so I think you know, like it's yeah, and and you look at some children. I I I feel sorry for the ones who've got those real rock star names. Like they're called Rocket. Oh yes, and they turn out to be these dweeby nerdy Mm. library kids who have to go (laughs) through life called Rocket. You know, it's just like, and they should be called Eric. Really?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>
0: they should be called Eric. But anyway, moving oh, on, what else have we got?
1: What else have we got? Okay, let's move on to um, remind everyone that Ooh. there is a our 12 Days of Christmas giveaway. So there are 12 books you can win, not just one book but 12 oh, books and they're signed. awesome and some of them mm-hmm. are signed. Uh, and if you want to have a look at what they are, go to writerscentre.com.au slash win. And uh, entries close Monday, the 4th of January, 2016. So make sure you enter and uh, you could win 12 awesome books and we'll send them out to you. Fantastic.
0: Mm -hmm. And speaking of books, have you got a writing craft or marketing craft or some kind of book for us this Well,
1: I do have an interesting book, which, um, well, I think it's absolutely fascinating. It's just landed on my desk. I haven't read it yet. So I'm very, very keen to read it because I think that the author's great. And, you know, I might actually try and uh, get an interview with this author because he is obviously a man after my own heart. Now, the book, you're going to laugh. A word nerd, you mean? Yeah, a word nerd. The book is called Worst Words a compendium of contemporary cant, gibberish, and jargon. Now, it's by Don Watson, and you may know that Don Watson wrote death sentence and Mm -hmm. weasel words. So this is called Worst Words. And basically, Don Watson makes fun of the way the English language has evolved and the kinds of words that we use these days, particularly sort of in the business space, like cluster deployment or make sure you engage multiple stakeholders through your strategic delivery channel. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And he laughs at the difference between backcasting and backfilling. Oh. I have to admit I used the word backfill the other day because I heard my friend use it and I thought, oh, I might use that
0: word. <laughs> but obviously
1: it's um, – uh, What does it
0: mean? I, I only know of it in a building sense in the sense that you refill a hole that you've dug to put a pipe in. So
1: backfilling in the business sense is when, say, you have a particular staff member and that person is now going to take higher-level duties, so you need to recruit someone else to backfill the lower-level roles.
0: Oh, Valerie, never <laughs> use that word again. That's awful. Okay. I want you to think of the fact that most people use it in the term of digging a trench, putting a pipe in it, and then backfilling it with the dirt.
1: Okay. Okay. Sorry, and
0: never use it again. <laughs> oh, I think you should read the book.
1: No, I, I absolutely intend to. It literally, just landed on my desk. I'm very excited about it. So um, I will report back, and hopefully, we'll get Don Watson on the podcast as
0: well. Fabulous! That'll be good.
1: There you go. So we're doing something a little bit different this week, aren't we? Because it's Christmas, and we've decided <sighs> to we've decided so we've had to do an interview with Santa. Yeah. No, we, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm so kidding. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have an interview with Santa. No, we don't. So what do we have? We thought we would recap some of our favourite interviews this year. Oh, yes. And the reasons why. Yes. So
0: I'm going to ask you who your favourite interviews were this year. I knew you were going to start with me. Do I have to have episode numbers because I'm, I'm not prepared with episode We're not, not that organised, clearly. Okay. So we could put those in the show notes so if people wanted to yes. go back and find them. Okay. All right. So I, being me and not following the rules exactly, I <laughs> um, actually have four. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my so in no particular order. Because we said order. that so, we were going
1: to have three each, but Alison's did, being a rebel. Mm. We did say that
0: because mm-hmm. I just can't help myself. I just love the sound of my own voice so much. No, not really. All right. So my favourite four um, in no particular order are the following. I loved the Andy Griffiths. Uh, interview that we did earlier this year for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One was that it was such an interesting thing that he had tried so hard to be a writer with a capital W because (laughs) he felt that that's what he should be doing Mm. and then he's made, you know, his absolute name and fortune out of doing what he really loves, which I think is a great Mm. message for every single author and secondly because it was the most serious conversation about bums that (laughs) I have ever had in my life and it still makes me smile just to think about it and I often bring it up when I go to school talks. I talk about when I do my author talks um, because he talks about the absolute importance of logical progression even when Mm. everything is going nuts and looks incredibly chaotic He talks about the logical progression of story and I I just think that is also a fantastic um, tip for writers. So Andy Griffiths would be one. The second one that I really, really enjoyed was the uh, interview with Anne Gracie who Mm. is the historical romance author and the main reason for that, there were two reasons again. One is that she talked about the fact that she bands together with other historical romance authors and they have built a solid platform by doing it as a cooperative thing, so Word Wenches is their blog. They take turns to blog. They promote each other's work, and I think it's a great message for for authors who perhaps don't want to take on um, their own personal blog. That you know, because they can be very hungry things. So there was that, mm-hmm. and there was the fact that she. Um, she described emotional punch, which is this phrase that they use in romance writing all the time, and that is incredibly, incredibly difficult to put your finger on. And she gave a terrific uh, description of what it is and how to achieve it. And I think that if you are interested in writing romance or having romantic elements in your stories at all, mm. uh, very much worth listening to for that reason.
1: Great. So that's Anne my Gracie. first
0: two. Mm. Now, my second two, yes. um, I very much enjoyed my interview with uh, children's book publisher, Suzanne O'Sullivan. Oh, yes. Uh, from Hashed Australia. Mm-hmm. And Suzanne is, um, disclaimer, uh, my publisher at a Shet, And I thought she gave some terrific insight into what children's book publishers are looking for, mm-hmm. uh, across a range from children, from picture books all the way through to YA. Yes. So if you are in the market for writing that sort of thing, looking for somewhere to be published, mm. um, definitely worth having a listen to what Suzanne had to say about that.
1: And it's so and- important to understand the industry if you want to be in
0: it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and you know, if, if you want to give your submission the best possible chance, then, you know, tap into the incredible amount of information that is out there mm-hmm. to find out what people are looking for yeah. and that's going to give you the best possible chance. And my last uh, favourite, I mean, it was pretty hard to choose, I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, was my interview earlier this year with Rachel Power. Oh. And, yeah, and we talked a lot about... Um, were about writing and you know writing with children because of course her book uh is the divided heart and Mm. it's about motherhood and creativity Mm. uh this the second edition of it is actually called motherhood and creativity the divided heart um so there's been two different editions featuring interviews with a whole range of women who are you know creative types authors singers artists whatever um and and also parents Mm. and I thought that that particular interview it got a huge response from our listeners. We got a lot of feedback about it and I know it's yeah, because very and it's not not just for motherhood either. I mean, where you know a lot of us are parents as well as uh, creative people and mm. um I think that it's really uh, was worth having a listen to how people make it work, how people fit things in, you know, mm. all of those sorts of things. So if you're in that boat, uh, that is also a fantastic interview to have a listen to. I thought yeah,
1: it was that had Yeah, that uh, elicited a massive response, that interview.
0: Mm. Mm. It did. It was great. Um, mm. And it's a great book as well. If you're looking for, you know, some words of wisdom on that area, it is definitely a book worth having a look at. So there you go. All right, so those were my four slightly rebellious. Awesome.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm not a rebel, so I picked three.
0: <laughs> so
1: my favourite three interviews this year were Pamela Hart, also known <laughs> as Pamela Freeman, and I loved talking to Pamela because I just love talking to Pamela full stop every time I talk to her. So if people aren't familiar, Pamela, she's been writing under Pamela Freeman for almost 30 books or something. So she's very, very widely published, very prolific in adult and children, in picture books. Um, She's also a director of creative writing at the Australian Writers' Centre. And more recently, she's released The Soldier's Wife under the name Pamela Hart. Uh, So she's written under Pamela Freeman and Pamela Hart. And I love talking to Pamela just because every time I do, I actually learn something new about the creative process or the creative writing process anyway, whether I'm quizzing her about her Her process, or whether she's talking about ways and frameworks that other people can use to discover their optimum creative
0: process if you know what I mean yeah she's very very clever she had and she has so much experience and so much sort of and I I just I love the fact that she's she's so involved in the writing community and the industry communities she gives back on so many levels yeah she's just she's ace yes
1: she's ace and I can't wait for her next book just coming out next year we've seen Mm -hmm. some samples of the cover and uh, you know she shared some of those on social media and I'm really looking forward to the release but uh, the, my next favourite interview, uh, these, this is in, in any particular order, so another one of my three favourite interviews was Kevin Kwan, who <laughs> you may remember is the author of um, China Rich Girlfriend, which is the sequel to the yep. phenomenon uh, bestselling book, Crazy Rich Asians. And I enjoyed speaking with Kevin because like his book, it was like a romp. <laughs> it was just like this lighthearted, full of energy, um a discussion about how he came to writing and he just is doing something that he absolutely loves and I'm sure that Kevin doesn't uh, try to say that his books are literary works of art or anything like that but they are great stories and they're hilarious and they sell all over the world and it was just fascinating to hear how he put his stories together and um, what they were based on
0: so um,
1: it was just really fun conversation with Kevin. That was
0: another one that actually we got a lot of feedback on via social media and I'm Mm. sure it was because it was so funny. There was so much fun and people enjoyed it so much from that perspective. So,
1: yeah, that was good. And my third one is uh, Australian author, Matt Nable, who um, his third book was released this year. It's called Guilt. It's set in the Northern Beaches, where I now live. Um, and it is uh, it is a wonderful sort of story that is ideal, in my opinion, not only for adults but also for young adults because the main characters are like at 42 and 18 or something like that. Uh, or no, 38 and 18. Or, or, and, and he follows their journey. In different stages of their lives. And I loved this book because it was a really good read. Mm-hmm.
0: And you um, loved this interview because and I
1: loved the interview. Because, <laughs> because okay.
0: Because it th- was Matt Nabel.
1: Three reasons. Okay. A. I thoroughly enjoyed the book and I enjoyed yes. speaking to Matt on a professional level about his yes. creative writing process. Yes. Number two, I'm Australia's biggest fan fan Of the superhero <laughs> action television series Arrow,
0: in which he stars in one did of the series. Did you seasons. tell him you were his number one fan? Please Can tell I, me
1: you <laughs> did. I said I was Australia's biggest Arrow fan. I have no shame, that's okay. I'm just being honest and authentic. And number okay. three, because he's hot. There you go, <laughs> <I> said it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Valerie Koo, my Lord, you are outrageous. And there it was. I'm supposed to be the rebellious one, <laughs> the controversial one. All right. Well, that sounds like a fabulous note to end our, yes. <laughs> end our annual podcast.
1: Yes. But one on? one thing I will mention, though, is mm. one exciting thing that Alison's going to be releasing next year is her course on how to build an author platform. I've oh, seen yes, it. I am. It's awesome, it's incredible, it looks great Uh, and it's not available yet but it's going to be available very soon and if you want to make sure that you are notified of a very special pre-launch offer, which is only going to be available to people who register for the pre-launch offer, go to writerscenter.com.au slash platform and register your interest there by downloading the course outline. We'll make sure you sent an offer before everyone else. Mm,
0: So it's going to be Awesome. But course. hey,
1: we're going to take just a very short break over the Christmas period, aren't we?
0: We are. We're having a couple of weeks off where mm-hmm. we're going to not listen to ourselves speak for a little <laughs> while. Well, I'll be shrieking probably at my children, but apart from that, I won't be listening to myself talk. Um, but we're back again in the new year. Am I correct? Yes.
1: Yes, Yes. we're back again. So just a couple of weeks off and um, if you're new to us and you would like to hear more while we are off the air, then check out the back catalogue. There's a lot
0: to choose from. 90 episodes. 90 episodes. I know we're going to reach a century soon. I know, 10 until the big 100. Um, Just one thing I would say too is uh, just on the subject of shrieking at children, (laughs) if you are at home, are at home with children on summer holiday uh, on summer holidays. Um, the summer reading club is being run through your local library, mm-hmm. and the uh, Mapmaker Chronicles are actually in on the book list for the summer reading club this year. But I have also written a story starter for a fantastic writing competition for kids. Um, it's a what happens next kind of a thing, and I'm judging that as well. And you can uh, register and. Put your entry up online. So if you're looking for something for the kids to do this holidays, then they could uh, enter the competition and go into the draw to win a big prize. I think there's three prize winners. I have to read them all. I wonder if I'll get – how many did you get for your writing competition, Val? Your short story comp? 800 or something?
1: 810,000 words.
0: That's right, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I won't be getting that many. (laughs) However (laughs) –
1: but where can I people do this? What, what uh, I'm
0: going to put the link in the, in the show notes. It's at summerreadingclub.org.au um, and then follow the links through to the club and the competitions.
1: Awesome. So while we're uh, having our Christmas break, if you'd like to connect with us on social media, where do we find you, Al? Uh,
0: you'll find me at alisontate.com. You will find me on Twitter at at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook at Alison Tate Writer.
1: And you'll find me everywhere at Valerie Koo. So Hmm. that's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, Yeah, connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. But until 2016, we look forward to chatting to you then. Have an awesome holiday season. Enjoy.